Hi, I'm Derek. Uh, in the Bible uh, reading today, there's two passages, and the first one is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. That's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The second passage comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Derek. Morning, everyone. Morning. Thank you for reading that, those passages to us. We come today to the conclusion of our series on prayer and the Lord's Prayer, and we are primarily going to focus upon that second reading, and in particular, the last verse in the reading, though we will allude to some of the other passages. This afternoon is an important day for us as our member meeting, members meeting at 1.30, and if you're a member, then we invite you to come and be in prayer for us. It should be an exciting time. I'm looking forward to it with anticipation. Some of you are looking forward to it with trepidation. We have five people to elect to recognize so three associate pastors and two elders to be reappointed so it's going to be a lengthy afternoon i guess well certainly with ballots and five ballots and uh andy is our chair so pray for him and um i think at the end of the day i'm expecting 
us to discover God's world together. And that's always exciting, isn't it? No? No, not exciting? No, thought it was. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> we do commit the members' meeting to you, and we do ask that you might reveal, help us to discern and to understand your purposes, your will in these matters. Right now, Lord, we ask for your enabling and your revelation to us of your truths, that you might shape us, challenge us, and help us in the process of following Jesus and to join him in the work of his kingdom, to the advancement of it and to the honour of his name. We pray in his name. And everyone said? The Lord's Prayer certainly says um, on this matter, we're focusing on the issue of when we're praying, we're involved in spiritual warfare. And the Lord's Prayer certainly alludes to that when it says, uh, your kingdom come. It's talking about the invasion of God's kingdom into this world. There's another dimension we'll talk about in a minute. We talk about God's will being done, not just like in the members' meeting, but his will being done in this world, which is in rebellion against him. Concludes by talking about, don't lead us into temptation, but in fact, deliver us from the evil one. And those two are connected. There's a debate amongst commentators and preachers and stuff. Are there six petitions in the Lord's Prayer or are there seven? doesn't matter where you end up on it. But I put those last two together. When we pray, when Jesus was teaching us, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, they, are, they go together. And if we get time, um, we may come back to and expand that a little bit. But if we don't, because I am conscious of the members meeting. Um, so when I get to one o'clock, if I haven't stopped talking, then I won't get to it. Some of these truths that I'm going to share with you today, I know that you know, they are, for some, for many of you, basic, but they are certainly a good reminder to us. For some of you, they might be sometimes a new emphasis or a new insight, and so I encourage you certainly to be listening and to be discerning and evaluating always what we teach from this pulpit against what God's Word says and certainly how you understand God's Word. There are two kingdoms in this world, the Bible teaches. There is the kingdom of God, for God is a king. He's a king with a kingdom, where he makes rules, where he has the crown, where he sits on the throne. He is a great king and he is a glorious king. But that kingdom of God is not political, it's not geographical, and it's not religious, and it's not of this world. There is a second kingdom which is the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. Satan is real. Satan is a person, but he is limited in space, time, intelligence, and in power. He's more intelligent and more powerful than we are as creatures, but he is not divine. He is limited. He can only be in one space, at one, one place at one time. He's limited by space. If he's in... Uzbekistan, and he's not in Sydney or Australia. If he's in Sydney, he's not in Brisbane. If he's in Brisbane, then he could be in the CBD, but he's not in Sunnybank. If he's in Sunnybank, then he's not in Callumvale. Get it? Yeah. He can be in one place at one time. If he's in this room, and he's not outside this room. And personally, uh, who knows, but I don't think Satan would even know who I am. Satan the person. Most of us are insignificant little people compared to the people he deals with. 
but he has a kingdom. And in that kingdom, he has this hierarchy of designated various ranks of angels. As best as I understand it, these were once angels who rebelled against God, and about a third of them, the book of Revelation alludes to, rebelled with him. And he has duplicated God's kingdom, this hierarchy. So there are territorial spirits and national spirits and local spirits and spirits over regions, and there are demonic evil spirits present here this morning for the Bible teaches that whenever the word of God is taught, the evil one wants to come through his kingdom to come and to remove the seed which has been planted. He, that kingdom opposes God and aims to deceive us. C.S. Lewis makes the statement, and I think correctly so, we make two, and two, oppos- two equal and opposite errors when it comes to this whole issue of Satan and the kingdom of darkness. I remind you of them. First error is that we take we don't take it seriously, that we think it's mythological, that we disbelieve it. And in fact, there's a growing trend amongst those who follow Jesus, particularly in certain areas of ministry, who want to downplay all of the New Testament teaching about this demonic kingdom. They put it down to, it's just mythological, historical expressions about our own sin and our own evil and about our political systems being evil and so on. There's no personal devil, and that's, I think that's totally wrong. And it's the first error that can be made about Satan. To think that he's not real, to think that he's a myth, um, and to dismiss him because of it. You know, those caricatures of his picture. When you think of the devil, he wears what colour suit? What's he got on his head? What's he got in his hand? What's coming out the back? Yeah, all of those pictures that you've heard about. It's a caricature, and it's not true. In fact, if Satan were to appear to anybody, then his loyal followers who tell these sorts of stories would talk about how he can manifest as an angel of light, a being of great beauty. But it's a mirage, it's a pretense, because in fact he's um, evil and he's Darth Vader, in fact, of the, um, the empire. The opposite error to that is that we not just ignore him and make fun of him or whatever, but on the opposite error is we are excessively interested in him we want to know all the intricate details about him we're obsessed with it and uh, we search the scriptures and reading and we come up with all sorts of ideas and teaching and stuff and that likewise is a distraction and an error because it takes our focus off Jesus he is the one to remain in focus the ministry of deliverance that I personally like this is not really part of the talk but is a guy called Neil Anderson because I think he strikes the balance exactly right. There is a lot of really weird stuff out there when it comes to this whole issue of spiritual warfare. And you can look up, oh, there's a website called uh, nodemons.com. Look that up. Because uh, it's got all sorts of prayers that you pray. When you get off the phone, you should pray this prayer. When you step on a bus, pray this prayer. When you get off the bus, pray this prayer. And every situation in life, they've got a prayer. How to rebuke the demons and so on. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Focus on Jesus and just walk with him. Neil Anderson's solid ministry is you don't chase demons. You simply glorify Jesus and you turn on the light. When you turn on the light, what does the darkness do? Flees. Don't focus on the demonic. Don't focus on darkness. Focus on Jesus. Turn on the light. Glorify and honour him. And then just like in Jesus' ministry, he never went pursuing any of this. But wherever the light of Jesus comes, then the demonic will manifest itself. They will oppose it. So be aware of it, but don't pursue it. So there are two kingdoms in this world, that's the point. Kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And as I said, God's kingdom is not geographical, political or religious in this world, but there are two dimensions to it. 
The kingdom of God is, in fact, the kingdom of, there's a kingdom of grace and there is a kingdom of glory. The kingdom of grace is where God is established in our own hearts as our king. We have been converted, born again. The Bible talks about Colossians 1.13, how that uh, in him, in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins and that through Jesus we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son that he loves. Two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of Jesus, kingdom of the son he loves. Conversion transfers us from one kingdom to this kingdom. Acts 26, 18 talks about exactly the same thing. God sends forth Paul in order to transfer people from the dominion of Satan to the dominion of God. That's the kingdom of grace. But there is another kingdom of God, which we'll call, I'm going to call the kingdom of glory. That's heaven. That's where God reigns on his throne, surrounded by angels. And it's that kingdom which will eventually come to this world through the second coming of Jesus, where God's kingdom will be this massive invasion force and there'll be this throwing out of the usurper Satan and there'll be the establishment of God's kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. It's the kingdom of glory where there is no sin. We live between these two kingdoms, if you like. The kingdom of grace is established through the cross of Jesus. The kingdom of glory will be consummated in the coming of the kingdom and it's through the coming of Jesus, between the cross and the coming First, stage, first and second stages of God establishing his kingdom and we live in this in-between zone. It's like D-Day and V-Day or V-E-Day. D-Day is where the Allied forces through Normandy landed on Normandy Beach and invaded northern France for the beginning of their campaign to ultimately defeat Germany in World War II. D-Day. Until V-Day the Germans were still fighting and they were still opposing and still shooting and people still dying. But V-Day or V-E Day, Victory in Europe Day, where eventually victory was declared. We live between the cross and the coming. We live in this war zone. And through prayer, God invites us to join him in this battle which is going on. In the Bible passage we read from Ephesians 6, it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not the political parties that are our problem. It's not your annoying neighbours which are the problem. It's not your boss at work or whatever it is. It's not flesh and blood where the real battle is. We wrestle against demonic spirits, thrones and dominions and principalities in the heavenly places. It's Satan through his kingdom, working through people, certainly is trying to oppose and to disrupt and to divide and to distract all that God is wanting to do in our world. And God invites us to join him in the important task of expanding the kingdom of Jesus, turning the light on and watching the darkness recede. It's not a battle that we will win ultimately, that will not conclude before we either exit this world through our own death or until the Lord Jesus himself comes and will totally annihilate the opposition. Ephesians 6.18, that passage, the end of it, that Derek read to us, says to us, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests and with this in mind, always be alert, always keep on praying and pray for all God's people. Five alls in that verse. That's where we're going to focus this morning. That passage, of course, 
The beginning of Ephesians lifts us up into the heavenlies. It talks about who we are in Christ and the blessings we have in him, that we have been forgiven, that we've been blessed, that we've received the Holy Spirit, that we have forgiveness of sins, we've been adopted into his family, that we've been sealed with his spirit, that we have gifts, that we've been made members of his household. All of these blessings that are outlined for us in chapter 1, chapter 2, are alluded to again in chapters 3, 4 and 5. When you get to chapter 6, Instead of calling us to look to the heavenlies and the blessings that we have through Christ Jesus, it calls us to our knees to be on prayer, to engage in spiritual warfare while we live between the cross and the coming. And we've put on the armour of God. We're to stand firm and we're to pray. Pray in your spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. And with this in mind, always be alert. Always keep on praying and pray for all of the Lord's people, for all of the saints. Five quick ways through that passage how we will fight for God. Number one, we fight for God. We turn the lights on when we pray with all sorts of prayer. Not any one particular type of prayer. We're not just talking about warfare prayer or deliverance prayer. All prayer. We're to be a praying people. The passage, in fact, talks about that we are to pray, uh, to pray and our requests, with prayer and requests. And the prayer, if there's a distinction between those two things, it would be prayer as a general word, general prayers. God bless the whole world. Amen. It's pretty general. Our specific requests. God bless me. That's specific. And there's a place to pray generally and a place to pray specifically. But it also covers, if you think about it, all sorts of prayer. is when we pray in public and when we pray in private. It's when we pray in silence when we pray out loud. It's when we read, pray, written prayers, either that we've written or that somebody else has written and we read it and we enter in and we're praying it to God or it's praying the scriptures, the Psalms or it's praying spontaneously, our words, not pre-thought but just spontaneously, what's pouring out of our hearts. All sorts of prayers includes not only our requests, but it includes our thanks. It includes our confessions. It includes adorations. When we say, please, it's when we say, thanks. It's when we say, I love you. And it's when we say, I'm sorry. All sorts of prayer. We are fighting for God's kingdom. And the Lord's Prayer, if you analyse it and went through that, then it does the same thing. Starts with adoration and praise, goes on to talk about evangelism and salvation and discipleship, God's kingdom, God's will. Talks about our personal needs, daily bread. Talks about confession and fellowship, forgiving us our sins, if we could give others their sins. And it talks about holiness and growth and maturity in Christ. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. All sorts of prayer. How do we win this battle? How are we engaged in this battle? We stand firm with the armour of God on through prayer. All sorts of prayer. Number two, we fight for God by praying at all times. Now I know you know this. But that's not going to stop me saying it. This means we're to pray every opportunity. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, 17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Well, it's not literal, is it? You're not to go 24-7 praying, walking around mumbling prayers to God. 
That's not it. The concept, though, is one which is it's done repeatedly and it's done often. It's like having a, hack, a hacking cough. Thank you. Anybody else want a cough? <coughs> a hacking cough. It happens all the time. But not literally all the time. There are times when you're not coughing. <coughs> but if you're married to a person and you sleep in the same bed as that person and they've got a hacking cough, they cheese you off. So when you pray incessantly, when you pray without ceasing, when you pray on every opportunity, you'll cheese the evil one off. You will irritate him no end. He will try to stop you. That's one of the reasons why prayer is so difficult. Or the word is used, in fact, like a military assault. You know, the army gathers on the outside of a city and they, they attack. And then they are repelled a little bit and then they come back and they regroup and then they go again. And it's this relentless recharging and resting. Recharging and resting. That's what it means to pray without ceasing, to pray at all times. In other words, it won't be long before you're praying in all sorts of situations and circumstances of life. Let me encourage you that when you see, as a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you know and confess him, when you see someone suffering, opportunity to pray. And suffering is part of this fallen world. It's part of the result of the kingdom of darkness. It's Satan wanting to assert his will. Now, it's not always just that. But when you see suffering, suspect the evil one and pray. When you're being tempted, when others are being tempted, pray. When you experience good things, when you see a movie which is really, really good, pray. Or if you have something to eat which is really, really nice. Or you come to a members meeting which is just outstanding because there's harmony and unity and there's a real sense of God's presence like this afternoon. And pray. It's thank you, Lord. And when you find trouble, pray. Prayer is to be this perpetual communing between you and your heavenly Father at all times, without ceasing, in all circumstances. This, of course, does not mean that it's opposed to having set times of prayer. No, no, that's okay. But what it's teaching us is that we don't have just set times of prayer. The discipline of having set times of prayer can be very, very helpful. It's disciplined and helps you to maintain, like having three meals a day. It's disciplined. It's helpful. It's routine. But don't forget your relationship and fellowship with him in the meantime. It means likewise that you'll be praying to God in all sorts of postures. To state the obvious, I know you know. Some of you don't. In all postures means you can kneel when you pray. You can be sitting when you pray, the Bible talks about. You can be standing. You can be lying prostrate. You can be lying on your bed. In all situations, you can pray when you walk, when you drive, when you fly. You can pray alone, you can pray with others. You can pray with your hands together, eyes closed, heads bowed. You can pray with your eyes open, hands raised. In fact, sometimes when you combine all of those sorts of things, if you're praying when you're driving, You should probably have your hands on the wheel, not together. You should probably have your eyes open, not closed. That's just my advice to you. You trust God however you want to. I think I told you about a man, didn't I? A young guy, very passionate, just ignorant and naive. And 
often happens with brand new followers of Jesus, they just take the Bible very literally and they do weird things. You might remember that in your own life, if that's you. I found him on the streets of Sydney, in the suburb not far from where I was, walking around with his eyes shut. What was he doing? He was walking in the spirit. Dummy. It's not what it means. But it was him trying to be obedient to what he understood God to mean. So he got run over and he doesn't do that anymore. He didn't. I made that bit up. We pray all sorts of prayers at all times, Ephesians 6.18 says. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I want men everywhere, every situation, every location, not just in church, not just in Bible studies, not just at home, everywhere. Psalm 55 verse 17 says, morning, noon and night pray. 1 Timothy 5, 5 talks about the widows praying day and night. Luke 6, 12 talks about Jesus praying all night. There's no limit. It's rather the principle, this perpetual open communication between us and our Heavenly Father, talking to him about all of the life situations that we are in as we take this journey through this life, as we do battle between the cross and the coming, advancing the kingdom through prayer. Thirdly, we fight for God by praying, the scripture says, in the spirit. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Some people take this to mean praying in tongues. It doesn't mean that here. If you have the gift of speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, then the Lord bless you and use it. But that's not what this verse is referring to. This verse is referring for all saints, all Christians to do it. So praying in the spirit is not limited to those simply who have the gift of speaking, praying in tongues. It's rather referring to, the, to all of us being responsive to how the Spirit is leading us in prayer. It's okay to have a prayer list. It's okay to have an organized pattern, Acts, A-C-T-S, or follow through the Lord's Prayer, or whatever pattern you have and find helpful. That's okay. But be open to the possibility, likewise, of letting the Spirit of God prompt you, put thoughts into your mind and put promptings, feelings in your heart. Pray about this. Pray in the Spirit. As the Spirit leads you, Romans 8.26. We often don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit prays for us with groanings that are too deep even to utter. Being in tune with the Spirit as we pray. Not just mechanical. And it's not magical. It's about a relationship. Number four. All sorts of prayers at all times, all occasions. As the Spirit prompts and leads. And we fight for God by praying with watchfulness and alertness. Watchfulness and alert. Imagine you're like a guard on guard duty. You're a sentry. What are you doing? Well, you're awake and you're alert. What are you looking for? Well, you're on guard. And you're looking for the approach of the enemy. So too, in prayer, be on the lookout for the enemy. Like we said before, when you see things going on, when you see struggling, when you see suffering, when you see conflict, when you see anger, when you see sin being dominant, pray. And pray that God will intervene and that God will overthrow and the evil one will be bound or his demonic kingdom will be bound, the strong man in that situation. We're not only looking for the enemy, we're also looking to God and looking for the answers watching, persevering, being devoted and focused in prayer until we sense it's time to stop. Fighting God's battle by prayer 
with watchfulness and alertness. And number five, we fight for God by praying for all the saints. Satan hates it when we pray. He hates it when we pray for one another. He wants to isolate us. He wants us to go to our sinful, independent self as our default position. So pray for one another. Pray for those in this congregation, in this church. Pray for those who are on the front line of ministry. That's not just missionaries and pastors and church leaders. It's those who go to work. That's the front line of mission. Your salt and light there. Pray that you'll be a radiant witness for Jesus, that you'll live consistently with integrity, that you'll be open for gospel conversations. Pray. Pray for people at university. Pray for homes, on and on. Pray for those on the front line and pray for yourself. Like I said, Ephesians begins by lifting us to the heavenlies and our blessings and it ends by driving us to our knees and saying, pray on all occasions with all sorts of prayers, listening to the Spirit, being watchful and alert in it and praying for one another. And then Paul goes on specifically to talk about praying exactly for himself. Here is my application out of all of that. We, as following of the Lord Jesus, advance his kingdom by prayer. It's number one. We also advance his kingdom by living consistently, practicing the faith, sanctification. We also advance his kingdom by proclaiming the gospel and sharing truth, of course. Both of those flow out of this, flow out of a relationship with God. John 17 verse 3 says, um, This is eternal life, that they may know you. Not know about, but know relationally. To know you, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Proclaiming the gospel and living the life authentically flows out of this relationship that we have through Jesus, with God our Heavenly Father. All significant advances of the church throughout history have been advanced by prayer. All revivals throughout history have been advanced, started and built upon prayer. The Spirit of God calling people together to pray. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, when asked the question, what to what you attribute the incredible growth you've had in the church, pointed to the prayer meeting. And 500 people gathered in the downstairs room who were praying while he was preaching. Billy Graham says the same thing, prayer. Growth of the church in Korea, prayer. And for most of us, we'll be going, yep, that's true. Well, we know it's true. The question becomes, are we praying? What's the most difficult thing for us with prayer? What is it? And how do we fight against it? How do we overcome that? How do we develop this in our life? It's worth thinking about. Certainly the word of God, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, called by my name, will humble themselves, repent, turn from their wicked ways, pray then I'll hear, then I'll heal, then I'll restore. Jesus even said on one occasion, don't forget in his spiritual warfare thing, this kind, that demon situation, into this situation that can't change except through prayer. Some texts would probably say prayer and fasting. But the consensus these days is the best Greek texts are saying this kind doesn't go out except through prayer. Jesus says sometimes you have to pray and you have to bind the strong man before you can go in and plunder his particular house. In prayer, 
we sit with the Lord Jesus in the Parliament of Heaven and we are voting according to his will and for his way and for that to be executed in this world, a world in rebellion against him, in this battle zone as we live between the cross and the coming. And we advance on our knees with all sorts of prayer at all occasions, listening to the Spirit, being watchful in it and praying for one another. Brothers and sisters, we need to be a people and a church that prays. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would drive these truths from our minds to our wills. That we would be practitioners and doers of these truths. Like the disciples prayed, say, Lord, we pray. Could you teach us how to pray? Can you help us? Lord, can you motivate us? We thank you for the encouragement, but can you continue to encourage us? And help us, Lord, all sorts of prayer, all occasions. Open our eyes to see the need where we can be praying. Help us to be listening and responding to your spirit. And Lord, to be praying for one another, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the honour of your name. Lord, we ask this in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Please stand. Let's sing.